This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. professional wrestling well you're in luck we like professional wrestling too this is shake them ropes sunday edition <laughs> jeff hawkins chris novembrino here uh shame that we don't have the video this week because chris was in a rollicking sunny crockett-esque type of look there with the with the sleeves rolled up halfway between the elbow and the forearm was that a jacket or a shirt it's a white. shirt. It's like okay. a col- it's a collar. It looked shirt like a, a jacket t-shirt. on video. It looked like a jacket on video because long not, hair no. was covering it. I was like, no. man, that's some Miami Vice stuff going on. That's no. kind of cool. No, no, it's just it's just a t-shirt and, and a collared shirt. Chris, the uh, the Oscars are next week, and uh, when did oh we yeah, do- I love Hollywood. This is gonna go good. <laughs> Let's talk about Hollywood. I love the celebs. <laughs> What's Already? up? What's no? What's going on with the Oscars? I no, can't. No, I, no. I, I love the Oscars. It was uh, just. I, I was watching a movie last night. I have seen no movie. I get. Screeners. Do you think? It, do you think that movie will win Best Picture? I doubt it because it came out in 1973. Okay. Well, <laughs> what about in that year? Do you think it's still a contender then? I believe it won Best Picture. Okay. There you go. Strong. Strong um, showing then. Yeah. Well, I mean, I just was like, well, when when did movies stop being fun? Because Oscar uh, Oscar movies, I mean, because now it's like oh, that's after movie. Ghostbusters too. Oh, is it? Was yeah, that yeah, nominated yeah, for Best that, Picture? Well, that was the last fun movie ever made. What was the last fun Oscar winning movie? Like one that you could rewatch over and over again. And did and like did it. Ghostbusters two not take no, home no, Oscars it did that not. year? Okay, okay. Neither did neither did all female Ghostbusters. Well, no, sure. I, I I said Ghostbusters two was the last fun movie. Ipso <laughs> facto, Ghostbusters the newer remake <laughs> definitely was not fun. <laughs> or or a movie about Hollywood, which is what they also love. Oh, look at how brave we are! We're gonna give ourselves an award. Yeah, okay, that that bit of banter didn't work. Let's just go to the news. <laughs> what, what was where were we supposed to go with that I don't banter? Know. I, I don't it, know. I was it, trying it, something. Um, you know, Pete Davidson's an actor who's in the news a lot I, recently. I don't, don't want to know. Okay, I I don't know what what else do you want me? This to is get? failed. Let's just go into it. Is, I wouldn't say it's failed. I actually I think that I think there's some good audio there. It, it, you know, if the listeners want to circle back, I think there were a few moments that actually shined in that segment. <laughs> yeah, I do. I yeah, I I'll pat myself on the back if you because I'm tr- I'm trying to keep it light because we're going to a heavy subject first thing. Well, that was pretty light. Yeah, well, now we get into the heavy thing. Uh, since our last taping or recording, Scott Hall passed away, age of 63. Passed away uh, during surgery for a broken hip. Had a blood clot that led to suffering three heart attacks and had to be put on life support. Um, Scott Hall, of course, part of the NWO, a.k.a. Razor Ramon, a.k.a. Uh, Starship Wolf, a.k.a. Gator Scott Hall, a long career, longer than you would think, I think. And, and it, it's very odd in my fandom how he was, because to me, 
and I haven't heard this a bit, he's really a bridge between the old carny guys and the work rate guys because he was around for eight or nine years before he, and this is what luck will do. And I'll talk a little bit about this in a second, but second time having a meeting with WWE officials, he's in there, Kurt Hennig, his friend who he was AWA champ with in AWA, um, uh, got him a meeting and they just went over the fact that they used to do Al Pacino as Scarface impressions in the car. And Scott did it for him. Comes Razor Ramon. All of a sudden starts having these great matches in 92 in the WWE during the, you know, really the start of the raw era. And then jumps over to WCW. Part of the biggest money-making angle there ever has them beating WWE for what? 87 weeks or whatever the name of Bischoff's podcast is. I can't remember. Um, But you know, if we're going to do a retrospective on Scott Hall, I I think you have to kind of take the yin with the yang quite a bit. And, and for me, he's complicated because my fandom through the internet on 92, 93 came in with, you know, all the sheets reporting, all the antics of politicking backstage that he and the click used to do. And he is one of those guys where you watch his interviews and he keeps one foot in each world. And what I mean by that is it's, it's the, it's the, it's all fake bro. When, when other guys are talking about, you know, wins and losses and how they were held down and and things of that nature. But at the same time also, well, I need to protect my character. I don't feel like losing to this guy tonight. I think that would really hurt me right now, which is, of all the guys in the clique for me, Scott Hall was around for eight. I mean, I was around for his first couple of years in Crockett because that was sort of the first few years for me as well. After he, he was trained by Hiro Matsuda in Florida, goes up to Crockett, teams with Dan Spivey, who at that time is Starship Eagle, really go nowhere. They get sent off to Central States. And then he, you know, he bounces around from AWA to USWA to WWC to New Japan, you know, back to WCW as the Diamond Stud gets to me with WWE becomes Razor Ramon. And all of a sudden he's one of the most beloved intercontinental champs in the world. And you're in the history. And you're like, huh, how did that happen? Because he's also of the, of the mindset or he was when he was beginning where, you know, it it was, it's, it's a carny game. You try and do as little as possible. You're on the road five nights a week. You know, he's big, you get paid, you go home. That's what you do. But then he gets to WWF and, and they start, you know, he does, he does the ladder match with, with HBK at, at WrestleMania nine, still one of the best ladder matches you've seen. Cause it's just a wrestling match with a ladder, as opposed to what ladder matches are now, which are a bunch of stunts to me, you know, but you know, you still have in history. I mean, look, you can't deny he was talented. You can't deny he made a lot of money, but out of all the guys in the click, he's the one guy that should have known. Don't pull the ladder up after you. And to me, he did. And th- that always kind of leaves a bitter taste in my mouth. I'm not trying to speak ill of the dead. I'm just trying to give kind of a balanced, nuanced opinion of, of, of how I view Scott Hall in, in wrestling history. Around a lot longer than you'd think, Chris. I, I did not know this. I was looking at this. He was doing matches in TNA in 2010, 2011. When Global Force Wrestling was announced, he was one of the top stars announced for that. That was 2015. So he was around from 85 to 2015. That's a 30-year career. That is long. 
much longer than 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 a lot of guys that 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 are held in even much higher or higher esteem i would think but i don't know as we go through this and as i try and work out my thoughts in a bit because i was just a garbage <laughs> it's just me blabbing a lot uh your thoughts on on the late scott hall chris yeah uh 30 years is a long time to be participating in any industry that being said it's like kind of a more empty yes yeah, it's a it's it's more empty in in some of those years than like like if you look at let's say two thousand five, how many matches did he have? Yeah, I how mean, many he, matches did he have in two thousand nine? I mean, in, in the aughts after 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 WCW closed, it was all you know nostalgia for for you know Kevin Nash, you know the Outsiders, the NWO. That really whole once thing. that NWO WWF angle fizzled out rather suddenly. Um, the the one with Hogan, Nash, yes. and, and Hall when they tried yeah. to reunite that that was effectively the end of his career. If memory serves, that's two thousand four. Right. Um, you know, you you brought up a lot of the other gimmicks of Hall, and like that's what I think is kind of interesting. When we're trying to like sum up his career, like how good of a wrestler was he? Well. Okay, he definitely became pretty good at various points starting around 19... When, when did the Razor character debut? 92? 92. I would say he started becoming good during the Diamond Stud era in WCW right before he jumped there because he was working with, you know, Bobby Eaton and Dustin Rhodes. And, you know, this was... They were even thinking about at one time putting him in the Dangerous Alliance during that time so this was during that era where he had sting and he had you know he i think he was doing like multi-person tag teams with like steve austin and and arn anderson at, at, at like tv tapings and stuff like that so i mean that's when it started to kick in for him and then he became work rate guy all of a sudden like in his early 30s which right. is amazing it's really interesting to see the dichotomy of razor getting this big intercontinental push while meanwhile on commentary is macho man randy savage at the ripe old age of 35 <laughs> yes. being told that he's too old for this yes uh, whereas hall is still developing and becoming a better wrestler than he and, was and hall is 32 or 33 right <laughs> right no i know it the, like the the you really understand where macho was coming from in a lot of these arguments with McMahon um and I, I you know he was very good from nine I would say 92 to about 97 or so so there's like five years where Hall's kind of fairly consistently turning in good matches uh, and then on, on either side of that I, you know I don't, I don't know that there's a lot to watch um and, and I think with Hall the tough part is when it was bad, it was very bad. Yes. Once, once the drugs and the alcohol, when you knew he was at TV or something a little bit uh, under the influence, you know, they even made an angle of it, which was uncomfortable to me. Um, Several times. Yeah. Several I, times. I, I, I'm, I'm not a fan of those angles. I'm just not. I never was with Hawk. I'm not with Jeff Hardy. It's just, they're, they're just a little too close to home. I, I'll go. I'll go further than that, dude. I I think that there's a fairly strong case to be made that there's a correlation between those angles and relapses. That like those angles and working that as an angle on camera is not good for someone going through a recovering program. 
I'll add on something else, and I've kind of already alluded to it, but here's what's amazing. Like, to me, 92 to 96 is his Sandy Koufax-like run. It's, you know, it's short, but he's one of the best at it. And it took coming to WWF, let's be honest, engaging in a little cultural appropriation in some way. <laughs> a little bit. No, his Spanish accent's like god-awful, yes, dude. I, I know. I, I mean, it's... <laughs> I, I think it's much easier to defend and, and sort of salvage and like kind of um, memorialize the du- the NWO Scott yes. Hall because like that's authentic. I, the, the appropriations. I mean, yeah, he's still doing a little bit of razor in there. So, you, but like it's it's just a much more authentic thing than what he's doing as Razor in ninety three, ninety four, which is but, pretty cringy. But think about this: he had worked in work rate places, quote unquote, before this. And it takes getting this character. It takes coming to Stamford. It, it when when the WWF to them was at a low point. This quote unquote new generation where you know you were having, you know, Brett and Sean weren't yet Brett and Sean quite yet. They were on the come, but they weren't quite there yet. We were still kind of phasing out Hogan here. We had like Yokozuna and the the narcissist Lex Luger and and guys of that nature here and you're just like this is and then everything comes together and all of a sudden he's the star that everybody thought he should be i mean here's the thing is at at six seven i think is what he was you're gonna get chances you're gonna get i mean and he got a lot of them they tried to repackage him as gator scott hall in wcw at least you know twice he's in that uh king of the hill or king of the mountain battle royal and at bash 89 which is just a fan. T- it's it's an awesome time capsule to watch in terms of just the guys in that thing were basically most of all Japan and <laughs> later being New Japan. It's uh, yeah. Um, but he was also a guy who gave it, who really liked the wrestling lifestyle. When you listen to him talk and when you watch shoot interviews, and I watched quite a few of them in the week that was, put them on the background as I was working. He's the guy. He liked being on the road. He liked meeting uh, attractive women. He liked, you know, going to guys' room and drinking and imbibing and doing this little something, something here and there. That was the life because it wasn't a real gig. It was, you know, it was quote unquote show business. It was, you know, you know, you don't you don't have to do a nine to five. Then I mean, sure, it sucks to be on the road three hundred days a year, but at the same time, getting paid a lot to do it. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. I mean, Scott Hall, very much his own worst enemy. Uh, the, I think when, you know, people are able to take a look back on his life, which obviously can't happen this week or whatever. I, no. I think kind of the formative moment will be that incident at the nightclub, uh, where the, the shooting occurred. And, oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I think, I think that led to a lot of his, absolutely, problems. absolutely. No, I, I mean, that's a lot to live with, dude. It's a ton to live with. Um, I, I think if, if you're looking for the rosebud moment in Scott Hall's life, it's that, um, let me, I, let me I, give some, let me give some context sure, here because other people might know he was at a nightclub and, um, I forgot the year it was in, I believe it was in the eighties. Yeah, he was pretty young, too. He's yeah, like 22 was, it, or 23. Yeah, he's pretty young. Uh, gets in a fight with a guy at a bar uh, over the guy's wife, I believe. Um, guy comes back with a gun. He wrestles the gun away from the guy, shoots him. Uh, charges are dropped because the police consider it self-defense. 
Yeah. But the guy died. The guy dies from his own gun that Scott Hall wrestles away from him. I mean, that's a pretty vivid way. I mean, it's always vivid, you know, to if you kill somebody. But, like, to kill a man with their own gun is, is like, a very sort of intense thing that, you know, it's unclear that, you know, I, I mean, this happened in an era where you didn't necessarily get the psychological help that you needed or no. even thinking about getting that psychological help was kind of not really looked as a, and, as a t- tough and even thing to so do. when you're 23 and you do that and you oh man look at that i i look i i defended myself haha you, you don't process really, it wrong you don't right. process it correctly yeah yep. exactly and, and but actually to your point like sometimes the worst thing is processing something like that in your early 20s the wrong way and you can spend a good 10 15 years trying to unpack this incident that you just didn't handle the right way at the time um, I, I think, you know, that that really exacerbated a lot of problems for Scott Hall. So I have a lot of like, I mean, look, uh, the drugs made him into a bad person. And there's a lot of like bad, you know, negative stories around Scott Hall or whatever. But let like, me let me add a positive thing then, because yeah. if it wasn't for Scott Hall, guys wouldn't have guaranteed contracts in wrestling. There you go. Scott you and go. Kevin Nash were, were the two guys who got guaranteed deals for WCW. Now. They'll remind you of that every chance they got. And there were bad, there were, there were negatives to having guaranteed contracts. Like, oh, I don't have to show up to this house show. if I don't want to, but as, as, you know, many guys left Vince for, you know, they're working on quote unquote handshake deals. And it turns out the handshakes weren't all that good. Come in, you get the guaranteed money this time. Um, yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's, that's generally been an improvement, I think, and a plus for the wrestling industry. And I think his impact in 1996 can't be uh, overstated. Uh, he, him appearing on WCW television was as compelling as, and, and, like, sort of any moment that had happened in wrestling in, like, three years prior to that. Yeah, uh, well, I yeah. mean, that was one that, you know, that if you were on a rec sport pro wrestling, you knew was coming. But if you weren't, and there were a lot of people that weren't, um, you you thought it was an invasion angle. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I was one of those kids. Like, dude, I was like eight. So like, yes, you know, I was. Uh, I, I had I had been <laughs> I had been playing WrestleMania, the video game, the acclaimed video game. Oh and stuff, god, and, yeah, and Razor Ramon oh. was on that. All of a sudden, Razor Ramon's now on WCW television, and like. Yes, I truly did not understand what was going on. I wasn't sure if there really was a WCW versus WWF, like company war sort of thing going on. Um, so, yeah, for a, a good long while, before you realize it was just like, you know, in, in the house sort of thing. Can, can um, I go into for, a tangent and just say those acclaim WWF games are some of the worst things ever created? Oh, they're delightfully bad, though. Come on. They're like, they're bad, but they're they're like, like that they're first not... one for Nintendo was the most disappointed I've ever been in a game I spent full price on, ever. You, re- you really don't enjoy WrestleMania the arcade game? Oh, the oh WrestleMania the arcade game. Oh, okay. yeah, that's different. That, yeah, that, that's, like that's, Undertaker, that's like, you hit him and the tombstones come yeah, out of him. That, and, and yeah, Dwight, that's like, yeah, like, that's the, that, the stuff with the fighting stuff. I was thinking for some reason the old LJM acclaim. Oh no, those Nintendo are Nintendo sixty four WrestleMania the game thing where it's like you had three sides of a ring and you'd have like a bouncing bell come across that would help your health it's just the graphics sucked and you 
didn't get any moves in there. Yeah. No, no the 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 N sixty four WWF like acclaim game or whatever was really bad. Before that's the yeah. last one that before they bought like the THQ licensing. Right. Well, that was bad. I'm talking about WrestleMania the arcade game. Okay. Like, Ninety four, ninety five. Doink or had like doink. Doink brought yep. out this giant bullhorn or something. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. And like he'd kick you with clown shoes and like Razor Ramon's arm turned into an actual razor blade. <laughs> It was great. Like, 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 that's a fun game. Hey, kids, <laughs> come here. We're gonna. What's the razor blade mean, mommy? Well, <laughs> when an adult loves cocaine, they freak out. <laughs> oh. uh, update to Biggie's medical condition that we brought up here right after SmackDown. We taped, but we did not know what the. Uh, we taped. I'm so old. We recorded. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I, I put it on a Vera speed afterwards to make my voice sound shut deeper. Up. Don't don't encourage them to heckle me for my age. Uh, Big E fracturing both the C1 and C6 vertebrae, but suffered no spinal damage. Um, a fractured C1 can literally be deadly or cause paralysis, so he dodged a bullet here. We'll have to wait and see on rehab and see whether or not he wrestles again, but he... Uh, also fortuitous and not and not really mention that option or not mentioned too much in the in the aftermath was that this happened in Birmingham, Alabama. So the Andrews Clinic is right down the road. So if you're gonna hurt yourself, you know, right down the road is the best medical care money can buy usually. So uh yeah, I'm I'm a little worried. I don't think we see Biggie necessarily. I think he might try, but I'm a little worried about that. Yeah, I, I mean, I hope he makes a full recovery, but uh, what I really hope he does is take a little bit extra time here, make sure that he's 110% before he tries to come back. And make sure he wants to do this still. That's the other thing. It's just, you know, hey, my health is more important than, you know, <laughs> going out there for one last run or whatever. Uh, yeah, I, I'd much rather he, you know, take take the time, be back at full strength, and be back at mentally full strength because that's the other thing is, when you start getting careful and you start thinking about it, you don't react as you should. You react a little bit more slowly and the chances of getting hit or, or hurt are probably a little bit higher. Absolutely. And I mean, I'd be worried about coming back to WWE too and working their style just because like they have in recent years really become more plunder dependent, especially for some of these big matches. Like they love to have big guys hit each other with steel stuff and Biggie, especially with this back thing, probably needs to avoid those. Well, I, I, I think that I think the dive to the outside that he used to do from the apron. Yep. You remember the one that used to scare the hell out of us every time? Absolutely. That, that's a no go. That is definitely not in the repertoire anymore. I hope. Oh, by the way, here's a trivia note for you. I, I, I was just scrolling through my notes. 2016, Scott Hall's last match, DDT Ironman heavy metalweight title in Des Moines, Iowa for first wrestling. Who did he beat, Chris? Take a guess. Walter. <coughs> Chuck Taylor. Nice. <laughs> Which makes a good segue for AEW. Tony Khan on Busted Open Radio says that Ring of Honor is looking to go back to doing television. Of some kind, even though there's no deal set in stone, but going back into production for that. Now, I think that's a bad idea. Uh, <laughs> I don't think he's going to have Sinclair coming at his door either. And let me give you a, a little bit of uh, a little bit of the lay of the land, shall we? Because this week, 
for ratings and, and numbers on, on watching ring of honor TV or not ring of Honor impact television on access 68,000 new Japan, which just relaunched a weekly TV show on access 45,000. Why are they doing this? Chris, when it's a, I'm sorry, but if you're bringing in those kind of numbers at this point in the year of our Lord 2022, you are far better off trying to launch a wrestling promotion on a stream. You can get 66,000 viewers on Twitch versus trying to do it on TV like this, and it's it feels like beating your head against the wall. Well, in, in, in my defense, I kind of miss that streaming is an option here. But that's not going to make money necessarily. It's not. And I mean, so then that gets to Ring of Honor. Like, I mean, is this really a promotion that the market is clamoring for right now? No. No. I, I mean, insofar as you see loose chatter on the interwebs about oh, the need for a third promotion or whatever, it would be a third promotion independent of Tony Khan and Vince McMahon's vision, not a second AEW promotion. It is a promotion to help satiate a certain fan base with a certain nostalgia from the early aughts. That's not economically viable anymore. I'm sorry. They tried to do this with ECW back in the in the early yes. aughts. Yeah, it, it, this has very much that same energy of we're bringing back ECW. And I think the timelines more or less line up. Like ECW was good in 1995 and 1996 and WWE tried to bring it back in 2005, 2006. And it's kind of like what we're trying to do right now with ring of honor. Like it was last good sometime in the middle of the ring last of decade. honor was a time and place type of promotion to me. I mean, look, it lasted a lot longer than I thought it ever would. And it's, it, it was great for indie wrestling. But a lot of indie wrestling has now evolved in many ways, and it's it it couldn't sustain itself when it had a television contract. What makes people think it can sustain itself trying to get back into an already saturated market? I don't understand this. I don't. And all the wrestlers you'd want in a Ring of Honor, you'd also want in an AEW. Like, well, like and the... that's just it. That's yeah. how they're going to rebuild this thing. Because, hey, look what was uh, just what for final battle. Friday night uh, at uh, in Dallas. If you, if you choose to go down there, Chris, FTR versus the Briscoes, Ring of Honor Tag Team Championships. I'm I'm down with that. If if it, but if if they're just gonna stock Ring of Honor with Tony's guys that he can't use every week on AEW, that's just NXT. It is, but it's just an AEW show. Just make right. It an AEW that's, show. That, that's what I'm saying. Like, like it's just it, it, in a way. Then it's just like the way NXT is now. It's just an annex. Yes. Uh, yeah. It's not. It's and not FTR like, now. Dolphin Robert Roode. Down right. There. Yeah. Right. It's it, uh, yeah. That's just weird to me as well. Um, more AEW news. Joey Janela uh, doing an interview with Denise Salceda says that he will not be re-signing with uh, AEW. He wants to go the independent contractor route again. And it's it's very odd because his criticisms of talent relations, so to speak, echo one Marco Stunt, who says he has basically been ghosted by the promotion, which doesn't surprise me. It does not surprise me that once AEW is kind of done with you, then you just can't get a hold of them anymore because they're still a growth industry, but they don't have... <sighs> To, to me, it's kind of like it it, it, it it fits a certain thought I have about Tony Khan, to be honest with you. 
but I don't want to be that cynical just yet. But you really should. <laughs> you really should say, hey, you know what? We're not going to use you anymore. Go out there and 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 we'll bring you back at some point or do a run or something like that. But don't don't ghost talent you're not going to use anymore. Yeah, especially because doing those sorts of things sometimes has ripple effects that can be unintended. Like maybe you want to get okay, Marco Stunt's not the guy, right? Like I think that's fair. And, and you know, it's unlikely that Marco Stunt is going to develop into world championship material because Marco Stunt is Marco Stunt. Um, but Marco Stunt has friends. And maybe you want to make a call to some of those friends at some point, and they're not thrilled about the way you did Marco Stunt dirty. And, and it colors your conversation with that. And Joey Janelle is very involved with GCW. And a lot of guys from AEW like working GCW shows. It, it's one of those things where it's like, hey, you know what? We, we get that you're now the new big dog in the business, but you don't have to act like the big dog in the business, you know, because that's that's a, I mean, it's just. I if I can pass and these are on and these are complaints that are going on with certain other town and, and everybody calls them, you know, bitterness and things like that. But when when oh, when yeah, oh, maybe, it, it, maybe is it is same. bitterness, Hawkins. But if I can pass on any bit of advice to younger listeners here is um, be careful who you choose to ghost and come up with diplomatic ways to do exit strategies, because yes. um, if you embitter someone uh, yeah, it's it's nice narrative wise to go. Oh, that person's bitter. But here's the thing: if you screw some o- screw someone over, they're not going to be happy with you. And if they get the chance to return the screw, they're gonna, and it's gonna hurt. You're not gonna like it. I feel the same way about quitting a job too. I, I do because at times you'll never know who goes to a different company and who goes somewhere else and says, "Oh yeah, I worked with that guy over here. He did this." And then, and then they don't hire you, even though you're the best for the job. You don't have to be, you know, you don't have to be lovey-dovey with your company. No, 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 you don't. And you, yeah, but, but manage your exit strategies in a way that still makes you come off as an honest person, because if your exit strategy results in the lasting impression of you being someone who is shady, that haunts, that can haunt bad. And don't go on Twitter spaces and bad mouth a promoter who might buy your employer. That's not good either, kids. Don't do that. That happened, Chris. <laughs> also, within the AEW talent pipeline, AEW and DDT have come to an agreement to bring DDT's wrestlers to USA, to the to, to USA, almost into the USA network, to America. And 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 uh, that, uh, I don't know, man. We had something like that before with the, uh, with the China organization and Shima and, and T-Hawk. And company, I think we're going to need some vignettes here. Don't just pop them on TV like you did some of the Japanese Joshi girls and some of the talent from what was it? It was OV, not OVW. I can't remember the name. One, I think it was. I think it was ONE. I think that was the name of the Chinese promotion or whatever. Let's hype these guys up and tell us what's coming as opposed to just putting them on TV and then putting them over on commentary. Man, it has been such an uphill slog for uh, this international talent, particularly from Japan, to get over here on American TV the last few years. With the exception of Hikaru Shida and Wheeler Yuta, uh, I I feel like... I don't know if Wheeler Yuta could be considered Japanese talent. No? 
I believe he's a stateside kid. Is he? Uh, my my bad, dude. I feel I, <laughs> no. My my bad, dude. I I thought he was. Uh, I thought he was from like New Japan. I will. Uh, well, he worked. He worked New Japan okay. strong. Okay. That's what okay. You're okay. All right. My bad. My bad. Um, yeah. Okay. <laughs> the, Jimmy Yuta, born in Philadelphia. <laughs> God, I feel icky and horrible. Icky and horrible. Cancel me. Fine. That's okay. That makes up for the that makes up for the show beginning for me. So I can. <laughs> no, my bad. I just I I thought he was a New Japan guy, dude. I, I totally no. did. Yeah, yeah. Um. Well, come on, right. Kushida is just uh, is just killing it in NXT. No, right. Well, I no. Now that you, <laughs> no, here here's the thing. Now when you pull Yuta out of the the success stories column, it gets like woefully thin it's like Hikaru Shida and I guess Io Shirai if you like if you're really trying to dig you're but now you're Rio to di- maybe uh, yeah I, I guess Rio maybe uh, Kyrie ma- ma- to a point yeah um I, I uh, guess Rio and Kyrie are sort of like on that tier yeah. of question mark yeah. like we think they're good well especially Kyrie I think Kyrie's good um but do they really ever get over that's uh-huh. true yeah, yeah. um like, like it, it's, I just, I have, it's fine to quote unquote, open the forbidden door, but unless you're doing stuff to really broadly connect these people, it, it does no good to open the forbidden door if you're not going to roll out the red carpet. Yeah. And I think it's, it's, it's a little bit part and part to the ROH strategy as well is booking for people in the bubble. And I, I just think it's like, you got to think, okay. If I've never turned on a, if I haven't watched wrestling in five years and I turn on wrestling right now, am I going to know this guy? And, and I'd much rather see a, a, you know, a, a highlight package and okay, this is who I'm expecting. And they used to do that all the time. Even in the territories, it would be like, so-and-so's coming here. Here's their highlight tape. Boom. You know, steal some music from some artists and don't pay royalties and have a music video of this guy's greatest hits. And you're like, okay, this guy's cool. Can't wait to see him. As opposed to we're going to, we're just going to debut him on the TV show and Excalibur is going to tell us all about, him, and we're supposed to think it's a big deal in 10 seconds before he's supposed to wrestle. Yeah. I, I just see these guys kind of floundering in the middle of the show here. Um, None of them really ever getting over and occasionally having matches with Bear Country and the best friends and whoever else is in the middle of the card. And what might be the most hilarious story of the week, WWE filed a motion on March 15th to dismiss the MLW lawsuit. Case really comes down to whether MLW has adequate proof that WWE attempted to block television and or streaming deals, as well as if they have proof WWE tampered with contracted talent. WWE also moved to have the case moved out of Northern California, knowing that neither WWE nor MLW are headquartered there. Case was filed in Northern California because Tubi, a Fox streaming service, which MLW claimed it had signed a deal with and was about to announce when they claimed Stephanie McMahon called Tubi in California and threatened to pull out of the Fox deal and Tubi then nixed the MLW streaming deal. In the filing, WWE claimed that they were not a monopoly business citing the success of AEW in the marketplace, including the one hour where they beat them in the demos. It portrayed MLW as simply not being strong enough product to get a television and streaming deal, noting that they have been around since 2017 and haven't gotten one while AEW and impact both were able to Jerry McDevitt is a gangster. I don't care what anybody says. If you're going to go to court with WWE, you better have the bullets. 
<laughs> I think it's a good argument too. I, I really do. I, it I mean, is. that's the problem. It's like it, it's like I like... think it's probably one hundred percent true that Stephanie McMahon strong arms yes. Tubi to not do the MLW deal, but MLW really overstepped it by trying to make this claim of monopoly. And WWE is not a monopoly. They are a very, very, very strong player. Yeah, and and that's that's a different thing. Like like they have they a are lot Coca-Cola of Coca Cola, and they have the shelf space. That's right, yeah. right, and and yeah, Coca Cola is a soda company. They're the biggest one. They have a lot, a lot, a lot of stroke. And honestly, you know, in, in their case, it's probably more more compelling because of all the logistics and stuff wwe beyond all of this they might be the biggest fish in the market but it's not like they have this massive logistical footprint like that you know what i mean like they're based mostly out of stanford yeah but they also i mean it's it's one of those things where they are when you say wrestling you think wwe they are the brand that that is tied with the actual thing as opposed to you know it's like it's like sure there's other football but the nfl is football not the arena league not the usfl not the uh, whatever the canadian league whatever sure there's other football but when you say football you think nfl yeah i I mean you know if they wanted to make an even more compelling case uh, although i they don't need to they could also be talking about their decline in market share here like they're putting up big numbers but their viewership's going down that would be so beautiful if they go hey have you seen how unpopular we've become we're no longer a monopoly how can we uh, yes we have are putting in record profits but look at our viewership numbers they are declining oh my god it's a compelling argument. It's dude. a hell of an it, argument. It's that a I hell never of an argument. Until I, I sat here and heard it, I'm like, yeah, you know, compared to compared to the Attitude Era, there's far more wrestling right now, and there's far fewer people watching it. There's no way we're a monopoly. We're just a poor mom and pop company that made over a billion dollars last year. No, I know, but at the same time, it's hard to act like we're dominating the market, too. Yeah, yeah right? Yeah. Like, yeah. We're not dominating the market. Look how much wrestling we allow to occur. It's just, you suck. It's just like, oh my God, what? Uh, that's going to do it for the mailbag. Not the mailbag, the news desk. Not the mailbag. I call it the mailbag for some well, reason. We, we, we don't get mail. Not, well, we do, but it's all like, you guys suck. You should stop doing this. What's wrong, Hawkins? You're an old man talking wrestling and you don't like anything. Boo. Boo to you. And that's just Rob McCarron this week. So, so now we enter the lazy river of wrestling criticism. As we said, WWE's not a monopoly, so there's a lot of wrestling out there. Whatever floats our boat, whatever we've watched, whatever we want to comment on, it's free to do it. I'm going to make a quick one. I did watch WrestleMania 9. I watched HBK versus Razor Ramon. Still a fun match, Chris. Your go. All right, I'm going to do a quick one, too. Uh, I, I did watch Raw this week. I, I watched... Omos versus Commander Aziz. Still As fun, is. Yeah, yeah. It's still a fun match. <laughs> fun how? How was oh, this fun in any uh, way? I mean, this is fun the, for who? The, the, the unstoppable force. No, 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 no. So let, let, let's take a moment of silence here. I'm going to let you collect your thoughts and come up with a strategy here because you said still a fun match. And I would like you to expound on this for our audience here. Absolutely. Go ahead. So a a lot can happen in a week, Hawkins. People can fall in love. Friends can fight. Friends can make up. 
And I think now with nearly seven days worth of distance, probably seven days uh, as you're listening to this episode of Shake Them Ropes. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, "Ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from Arena Club. Com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy slab packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and, and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards and yeah you can open it and look it's going to be junk you're you you know what i mean like you know what you're probably going to get in those maybe you find that fun and sometimes i do sometimes i like just opening up cards and saying hey look at some random cards whatever but if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs and it ends up being you know almost nothing you know nothing of value not with arena club you can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading, so you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off again that's arena club.com slash vow net arena club.com slash vow net for 10 percent off your first purchase on arena club and we thank them for sponsoring the voices of wrestling podcast network you can look back on omos versus aziz one um i'm sure the first of many here just uh, aziz one is it yes. gonna be a series yeah yeah uh, okay, <laughs> let me let me tell you about uh, a little feud that happened in the last decade uh, involving a couple of guys. Uh, you might know them. Shinsuke Nakamura and Kazuchika freaking Okada. Thank you very much. Ever heard of T- Hiroshi Tanahashi? It was yes, like those, those are actually Japanese the, guys as opposed to yeah, real or you. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah all right. <laughs> well, they, ha- they need some vignettes too. Uh, <laughs> especially Nakamura. It's <laughs> like... like Nakamura's um, more over because of what Pat McAfee did for him than anything he's ever done in wrestling. Yes. In the WWE. In, in the WWE, even though he came in white hot. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. White, white, white hot. Um, so uh, w- when we're looking back at Omos versus Aziz, I, 
Omos versus Aziz one. Let's Aziz one. Right. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Omos Aziz one. Um, <laughs> Although it might be Aziz one and Aziz two. There might be a second Aziz. They might make Veer the second Aziz. Who knows? Yeah, I, you know, I, I, I do think I think this is building to uh, what will be almost equally as intense. Omos versus Veer. Um, <laughs> that's going to be a great match. It really is. Uh, I, I think the work rate will be very high on that, and so I, I think. When we look back at the end of the year here, uh, this this is a strong match of the year contender. How long did it go? Did it go like 53 seconds or something? Uh, I think upwards of two minutes, Jeff. <laughs> like I said, if you're the other giant, you're the other giant. And poor Aziz, who we thought was going to get this monster push, ends up on the same show as almost. He's dressed like a combination of Momar Gaddafi and Michael Jackson. He's not getting a major <laughs> push. Like victory tour, Michael. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's very true. It's like, it's like he's, a, he's the general of my army. It's like, well, what's the army doing while Aziz is out here losing to this? Dance numbers yeah. is, what, is what I would suggest. Dance maybe, numbers? Maybe with Janet Jackson. Uh, yeah, like, no. Um, uh, there's, there's nothing to this match. Uh, is, is, uh, <laughs> I forgot, I forgot the guy who was with Aziz for some reason. Uh, Apollo Cruz. Is Apollo Cruz still talking in the ridiculous accent? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. No, they, they haven't moved on from that either. I guess okay. he's gonna, and he got annihilated by Omos last week. Yes. Uh, okay. Yeah, so, yeah, so, so, so it's, so it's all in the family then. Yeah. And, and he's gonna have to bring in Veer, and Veer's gonna be the closer. Uh, be, but beyond this, man. My God, Raw is just like the most empty, treading hollow water. Treading. And this is a WrestleMania build. Raw. This is. This has to be. It's since we've weeks. been doing the show, two since weeks. we've been doing the show, this is the worst build to WrestleMania. You would forget that WrestleMania was coming up. Um, it, it, it's. It's crazy. No, it, it's a it's a it's a fulfilling prophecy of whoever the unnamed talent was says said only only one or two people matter or four people matter at most. And everybody else is, hey, you're in a match at WrestleMania, which is two nights and about ten matches too long. And <laughs> it's just between this and SmackDown, like like the women's tag now four way. It's basically just an excuse to get more people in there. Unless, God help us, if they do another gauntlet match. Remember what happened last year at the gauntlet match? People sliding down the ramp because it was raining. Uh, just, yeah. No, the, the only thing that feels important are Brock and and Roman. And maybe, maybe Charlotte and Ronda. But, boy, I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet with Becky and, and Bianca. I'm not quite even there yet with uh, KO and, and Steve Austin. I mean, it's 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 treading water, and and we got and we have a hot go home apparently next week. I don't know. I, I mean, out of all weeks, the yeah. stuff that I have seen on WWE television recently, the only team or the only thing that like sort of remotely interests me, but I have no faith that they'll like kind of handle it. Well is Liv Morgan and Rhea Ripley actually could be a good tag team. Yeah. Dun dunk like that. That actually has the potential to be a good little tag team. They won't do anything with it. Correct. But like, like once seeing them together, it's like, Oh, that works. That actually, they make sense together. Yeah. So, sure. do, Ni so do Naomi and Sh Sasha, to be honest. Yeah. I know. I, I like that. The, both of them. I actually, I, I like 
all four of them together. No, Naomi and Sasha, a little bit of history, too. Um, mm-hmm. Into that. Uh, no faith in that. Austin Theory's just not very compelling, in my opinion. I mean, he's not a bad wrestler or whatever, but, like, as an actual on-screen character, I just... He does nothing for me. He doesn't have the swag he thinks he does. And that's the problem is that his, his charisma isn't matching what he's trying to project. And it's, it's, it's being told to show charisma versus being actually charismatic. I think that's the issue for me. It's like, he's a flake and we know he's supposed to be a flake. I would have him watch every Tom Cruise movie from the eighties and say, go be that. Go, go be Vincent from Color of Money. You know, that guy. You know, the, the guy that, that's turned it up to an, about an 11 because he's, he's, he's trying hard. Uh, I, I want to give a positive, though. Chad Gable has found himself in this ridiculous thing he's doing with Alpha Academy and the shush and, and the over-exaggerations on the, uh, on the, on the verbality, um, which is amazing to me. Like he's getting over with it, Chris, and that's a good thing. No, it is. Um, I, I mean, look, Chad Gable's a guy who you and I have always seen a lot more in than than they ever have, and it's nice that you know maybe just maybe he might be able to find himself a nice little mid card, upper mid card niche for himself here. Yeah, I mean, because like the shush or whatever it is. I mean, that's now on shirts. It, it's yeah, it's it's going to be his catchphrase. He's found a catchphrase finally. Uh, yeah, but uh, mania for the most part, I, I'm just what do you think of happy Brock Lesnar? Like happy cowboy Brock Lesnar. Uh, he didn't he's not doing it for me, man. I I like him. I'm just not sure. It feels like weird casting to me. I'm I'm just not committed to this Lesnar push. It feels very ham-handed. Really? Well, I mean, I, it, it, of course it's ham-handed because yeah. it's, it's the main event of Mania. And the, yeah, you know, and, and, and they're doing it, and you just kind of don't get this sense that he's going to be around after Mania or whatever. So, uh, But you know what? Let's, let's give the devil his due here. What he's done is basically ape Paul Hayden, Heyman's cadence for his introduction. To the point where he's doing an imitation of Heyman where he, when he's doing it. And he's actually, I think he's actually achieving things on the microphone. I'll give, I'll, I'll grant that. I'll grant that he's achieving on the microphone. And, and I mean, what's interesting about Lesnar in his 40s has been the improvement on the microphone that has been occurring while the decline in the ring has been occurring at the same time. Um, the matches are less good now. But he's better on the microphone. Yes. Yeah, it, it's it's one of those things where like I mean even even the interview with McAfee, which I watched, you know he he's he explains that you know it's it's due to like just not wanting to be vulnerable and things like that, and that's fine. But there are moments like actually fun moments with Brock Lesnar, which is weird to me. Like 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 when he's slapping hands with kids and things like that, and you're like, I never thought I'd see that in my lifetime. I always just thought. Brock going to Brock and then Brock going to go farm and then Brock going to Brock again. But Brock as Canadian cowboy hero to children is kind of a, I, I got to admit, I'm, I'm liking it. I don't like the program necessarily because I just think the bloodline stuff is just the bloodline, overstated. So 
the bloodline has overstayed its welcome and it didn't evolve. It just stayed the bloodline, the bloodline, the bloodline. I'm on God tier son. You know, he had to go do the feud with Seth for a while. It's very Seinfeldy. There's been no character development in Roman. There's been no character development in the Usos. Like once, once Jay was broken spiritually. Yeah. The story really started getting boring and stagnant. There there was no intrigue. And, and I think that's kind of best illustrated by Jimmy just arriving, going, yo, Jay, what's going on with you? And then just like sort of like flipping heel one day. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I will give you the next run on the Lazy River. Uh, okay. Um, I guess let's jump over to well the thunder rosa and Britt baker uh because that one's at least top of mind there's a bit of a ho-hum resolution to the Britt baker title reign i think she's getting it back in pittsburgh in a few weeks i think this is going to be a short-term thing let's take the good and the bad wow the good is that aew was floundering with its women's division at the time when the nwa was going belly up and found a way to get Thunder Rosa onto its roster when Thunder Rosa was still under contract there and was, I believe, the NWA champion. What's not been good is I believe she should have been crowned a while ago as the champion. Not, I mean, even to the point of not even losing that pay-per-view match. Yeah, no, I mean, we, we didn't feel like she was on the on the journey going into the pay-per-view. Like, the, this this second run going into the pay-per-view has not been particularly strong. Uh, there, uh, momentum building. There is some uh, tension between the two of them. I'll put it that way. Um, nothing worth reporting or anything like that. Just, you know, on, on the down, on the side of that. What was weird to me was that that end, that that sequence towards the end where you get first slammed in the thumbtacks. She rolls out. She grabs a chair, hits her with a chair, rolls back in, gets. <laughs> it was like, what was that? That was just it was, it was just like we had to hit these spots here because they were on the thing as opposed to going home, which seemed like the more natural progression here. It's like they, they just kept on. They, they found the end and then they said, nope, we got to do that. We got to kick out here because there's a spot where Britt has to hit her with a chair and then roll back in and then get pinned. That was just the weirdest thing, Chris. There were uh, like, based on what, you know, whatever the, the rumors are, whatever, like, l- look, um, I don't know how much there is to that, but watching the match, it, it's weird because you know I, I've seen a lot of people go like this is an incredible match this is this is really great and everything. I didn't think it was that good. I no, I didn't either. And if anything, it just didn't. You do feel a lack of chemistry between these two. It's like two good wrestlers who don't necessarily work great together. Yeah, in my opinion. I, I, I almost like they were fighting each other at one point in terms of you know not making each other look good. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That, that, that's sort of like, I don't, it's hard to put my finger on it, but as as someone who has watched a lot of this stuff through the freaking years now, like there are just parts where it didn't feel like Brit was very giving and really trying to make and do the handoff and the way that a it was almost t- it was almost like I'm giving you this title, but I'm clenching my teeth while doing. Yes, it. there's a bit of there was a bit of Hogan teeth gritting going yeah. on. Yeah. Um. I, I, of course, in a cage match, I don't like other things. I don't like their cage. 
I don't like it being a cell like Hell in the Cell. I want it to come to. Well, I'm sorry, but like a, everything has a thumbtack spot now. Thumbtacks. Oh my I didn't god. Like the chairs. It's just like you have a weapon there. Use it. This is the story of the match. The story of the match is it's in a cage. I just, it's one of those things, like, I feel like I'm 90 saying that for some reason. Because, well, you just don't understand the modern indie mindset, Hawkins. I go, I understand the indie, indie mindset. It's just, it's too much. If you're going to do a plunder match, why have it in a cage when all that means is you're going to have a harder time getting yes. good camera coverage on it? Yes. Like, like the, the, the cage is in a way always quote-unquote bad. I'm putting this in quotes here uh, because... Like, it is hard to get good camera coverage on it. Like, TNA used to put the holes in the cage so that you could still at least get a clean shot of the action in the ring. And point being, you can't see the little details. And the audience can't see the little details because there's, like, a cage in front of it. So, I, I, use the cage. That's the thing that everyone seeing. Use the seen. cage. Everybody That's wants the, to see the cage. It's a every, cage match. So, cage I'm expecting match. to see a cage. They want to see people coming yes. off the cage, middle yes. of the cage. They want to see people Grinding trying to escape out of the cage, in the cage, grinding in the cage, bonking at the top of the cage, bumping yes. off of the top of the cage. Yep, use the cage. Yeah, and, and also just, just the Paul Turner uh, dump to get Aubrey in there just so that, and I get the feeling that that's just going to be the conspiracy thing again. You remember that angle? Yo, well, no, they were teasing that on commentary too, that we are, we're now back at, into the, or Brit got real mad at Aubrey and they brought up the conspiracy again. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, no, Brit's going to be back on that, that there's a big conspiracy against her. Yes. And we're going to have to bring out Aubrey for another promo, which yeah. Great. Um, uh, one step closer to that Aubrey match. We've all been clamoring for. <laughs> Very, very true. Uh, I will stay in AEW. Um, Chris Jericho is a sports entertainer. And I don't know how to feel about that, Chris, because... Uh, it was a very weird promo, wasn't it? I know. Look, we know that he had copyrighted this or trademarked it for usage in AEW. We know that it's easy heel heat to compare yourself to WWE and AEW for the fan base that's there. We also know that Jeff doesn't like these types of angles. So it's, I don't know if it's good or not, but I want to put this question to you. And I put it to my co-host on, on the, uh, on the dynamite show that I do over at fight game media. Do we go all in on this gimmick, Chris? And do we have Daniel Garcia dance like Lance storm? Maybe just once, or are we going to play this for laughs? Like, like, okay, I'm the serious guy. Because don't get me wrong, I enjoyed them rebranding the other Matt and Jeff in AEW as now uh, Daddy Magic Matt Menard and Cool Hand Ange Angelo Parker, which are just those are right straight out of <laughs> right out of the WWE book of nicknames right there. But when Danny Garcia said, "I am a sports entertainer too." which I believe was supposed to get the booze that it got. And it got the booze that it was supposed to get because, of course, Danny Garcia, Red Death, technical wrestler, grappler, et cetera, et cetera. Should he have gone hit my music and danced a little bit just to get more booze there? Or would that have been a step too far in this angle? I think it's a step too far right now. I mean, I think you should have Garcia embrace more and more sports entertainment tendencies. Like Jericho every week should 
coach up Garcia on on how to do WWE isms like point to a sign, point to a sign. Have a week where Garcia is trying to work towards hard camera, uh, and like and like Jericho's out there trying to explain it to him the whole so you're, time. So you're in on this gimmick then. Uh, uh, I'm just running with the joke here. Okay, uh, go ahead. Yeah, it, uh, look, um, calling I, it a championship opportunity, not saying the word belt. <laughs> the Judas stuff, I mean, like, the Judas thing probably needs to go away realistically. I mean, I get that they're yeah. trying to, like, sort of spin it or whatever, but, I mean... I it it doesn't work that this guy needs to get categorically like booed on a regular basis. I think in particular Jericho needs to disappear from commentary on Rampage because he's yes. he's super disjointed now. I hate there, that guy. Uh, he's he's sometimes a baby. It's worse than I hate that guy Jericho. Yes, and it, is. It, it, it because now sometimes he's a baby face and sometimes he's a heel. It's it's the, it's the, it's the task conundrum as well on the at least on the uh, on like dark or dark elevation, whichever show he's on there where he's trying to do the, uh, uh, he's trying to do the, he's trying to crack up Excalibur is what he's trying to do on the show. And then he'll come on to rampage and sometimes he'll be goofy Taz. And sometimes he'll be team Taz captain of team Taz. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and you very much were getting just sort of both angles of that. Um, look, uh, I, pardon me when Jericho said that this was not about appreciation of Chris Jericho as a wrestler, but appreciation of Chris Jericho as a person. It made me a lot. It made it a lot easier for me to get behind hating him as a heel. Uh, <laughs> did, did you cringe when he brought up the date January 6th? I, when he said January 6th, I was like, Oh, this angle's going to get real hot. And then he yeah. said 2019. I was 2019. like, Oh, whew. Uh, all right. Not talking about all his right. wife. Okay. All good. Right. All right. All right. Fine. <laughs> Um, I, w- I wanted to get there, Jeff. I wanted oh, to get I know there. you did because you were ready to boo. You're ready for that heat. You're I'm ready to-, to boo him for real. Absolutely. Don't <laughs> stop giving me the sing along. Um, why did Jungle Boy take the pin in the opener? Because that could have gotta keep Luchasaurus, Luchasaurus looking yes. strong. <laughs> gotta keep our monsters looking strong here. And no, look, that really I- is just like large guy bias, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, ridiculous. Because uh, like, just, Luchasaurus is never going to be a championship contender. Like for me, I thought like that, that was a jam band match where it's like they found the end, and the end should have been after the triple moonsault. Roll a guy in there, get the pin. Even though you know the heels were supposed to win this, but the heels were supposed to win this. Don't pin Jungle Boy clean. Cheat and pin Luchasaurus, because Jungle Boy is your is your guy. Supposedly, he's a pillar. Or if you're going to have Jungle Boy lose, it needs to be kind of as a direct result of Adam Page sort of being a dick. Yes. Like, it's not like overt heelishness, but like Page needs to do something aloof and dickish to leave Jungle Boy on an island. Okay, so you still think Page is on the the path to heal them? Well, I'm just trying to come up with a reason. uh, Because I thought he might kick him in the face after the match. Like yeah, when he was pouting there. I thought that might be okay. Here we go. We're starting that, and then no, it didn't happen. I was just like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, no, no. I mean, I think, I think maybe we're 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 still on that path. I, I, I mean, I think maybe they're keeping their options open. Um, with with Paige, uh, just want to see if they can find something that works. You see, um, Scorpio Sky versus Wardlow. I'll take my victory lap on this one here, Hawkins. Who who called how this was going to play out? Of like, all the 
options that you had, you picked this one. Why? <laughs> why? Why, why did have... they pick this, Chris? Why? Why did they? There were things about the contract that they were playing up here. Why did they not go with that? Why did they just go with base interference and then pinning him as opposed to DQing Scorpio Sky? Uh, because when you you didn't have MJF appear last week, you basically required MJF to show up during this match this week. That's fine. Uh, The only alternative would be that Wardlow becomes champion and MJF tries to use the contract as leverage to make, like, Wardlow his puppet champion or something like that. Yeah, or to invalidate the match, which would have been even better, I think. That would have actually been more interesting, but then you also needed to protect the Scorpio Sky streak. Yeah. Uh, They they clearly decided that that Scorpio Sky streak mattered. No Uh, contest. Make it a no contest. I mean, they did that with Adam Cole and, and Orange Cassidy. It's still not. It's not a winning streak then anymore. Uh, yeah, you gotta I win. Guess. You gotta win. A no contest this is just, not a win. This just to me seemed the, the most basic, dumb thing they could do when there were interesting choices out there. But I guess you're right. I didn't think about the winning streak gimmick. Yeah, he has. That's that's the thing. Like Warlow could have been counted out. That would have been fine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, that that's another way of getting out of this. I mean, although it's six and one half dozen the other, you could have just MJF punch Wardlow from the outside. Um, but no, I, it was it was at least plain as day to me that MJF had to show up here. Um, well, no, would... I knew MJF had to show up. It was just one of those things where it's like the the, the ring shot, you, and then he you want to know what losing. I thought was too much was paying off Lambert at the end of this because I'm <laughs> trying to figure out like what the meeting with Scorpio Sky was like, which is okay. So here's the thing, Scorp. <laughs> You're going to get annihilated, and, and I'm going to show up, like, after the fourth powerbomb. And Scorp's like, hey, whoa, whoa, like, maybe one or two. And, and MJF's like, no, 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 no. no it no. has we, to be four because we that's got, the gimmick. Yeah. I, I mean, and think about this. It required Scorp to roll himself out of the ring. Like, <laughs> I mean, if this is, like, a really well-thought-out plan, like, Lambert didn't do a very good job uh, in terms of assuring that we would get to the final beat because, really – had Wardlow just went for the pin, MJF never gets the ring thing. So I, I wouldn't have – I thought the MJF paying off Dan Lambert thing was just one extra beat or an extra detail that they thought maybe like closed a circuit or something, but in fact raised more questions than it answered. I enjoyed uh, William Regal's two bratty kids beating up the best friends. Um, especially enjoyed William Regal on commentary – Pray tell, man in the mask, who is the demon waif? <laughs> Talking about Danhausen. Uh, just a welcome addition to commentary again. He was always good in NXT when he was on commentary. No, no, it's it's fantastic having him on the microphone again. And like I enjoyed sort of the way he was talking throughout the match. Um, and, and the interaction with Wheeler Uter was really interesting at the end of the match. Yes, and and, and you're not ready yet for the uh, for the brothers of destruction over here, but uh, keep working on it, kid. But here's a smack in the face to send you on your way. <laughs> There's a little mustard on that one. Uh, yeah, I I enjoyed that too. Um, I, I, I think the blood and guts is involving these two, the pro wrestlers versus the sports entertainers, right? 
Yeah, I, I think I think because they were really putting over pro wrestler, pro wrestler, pro wrestler on the commentary here. That's true. I, I and there's a lot of like easy intrigue for uh, Moxley and and Danielson versus the Jericho team. Yeah, and plus you can always just beat the hell out of 2.0. Also, that can end with them converting Daniel Garcia from the sports entertainer crap. That's, back that's to actually be- true. I did not think of that as an ending, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, like that 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 can actually work as as their first acquisition. And, and it does seem like acquisition is sort of going to be part of this. Like there are going to be young wrestlers who are going to get brought into the fold here. That that's at least what I got out of the Will Yuta interaction. That, uh, that, that there are plans to get a stable of young guys here. Only saw part of Rampage, but I saw Butcher versus Darby Allen, and that was really really good. I liked. I thought that was really good. Um, what I enjoyed in that match. Um, uh, that'll get me to LA Knight here in a second. But I just like the the way that match was worked with the countout. Uh, the coffin drop to the outside was great. Looked really good. Uh, must have hurt like the Dickens. And it was a really compelling way to get a 10, 10 count on the outside that made sense without having Darby Allen go all the way and pin the Butcher. You just have him basically make the Butcher immobilized to the point where Butcher can't get back into the ring. Great match. I, I really like that match. Yeah, and I'm, I'm liking the way Andy's running around now. I mean, look, I love big, heavy Andy, but he felt Andy. You know, with the motorcycle shades, kind of digging him. I, I still, you know, I want him to be the next Vader still. Don't think we'll ever get there. I kind of miss the monocle, but uh, always, always good to watch the butcher work. I, I like big guys. LA Knight versus Dolph Ziggler was n- nothing beyond what you think an LA Knight versus Dolph Ziggler match is going to be. But I'll say this. LA Knight's actually a pretty decent wrestler. like, And I enjoyed the way he sold the ribs during this match. I thought that that was an interesting, an interesting choice uh, to work. And Ziggler for his part does seem engaged in these NXT style matches in a way that he has not seemed engaged in the last few years on WWE television, but that's not saying much on a show with so many green people. Competency seems like excellence and it's a welcome addition. I, yeah, I'm, I'm liking the dirty dogs work down here with the kids, even if it's LA Knight, who's a veteran. Um, you know, you have to have the good match there to sate the other stuff in there. Uh, some of which is interesting, some of which is uh, crap, and some of which just makes no damn sense. For example, we had an entire dusty tournament to determine the number one contenders for the tag team tiles, and now we're going to have a triple threat with both members of that final match in it. Why? I don't know, but I'll tell you this. The the creeds are developing every single week on the microphone as like characters in ring personas. Uh Brutus backstage interacting with the grizzled young veterans and talking about the attack. Go like there were accents. There, there were, were accents. Ac- there were accents. I heard just, accents. And just Zach Zach Gibson's reaction to that was just fantastic. And then Malcolm Bennett, Brother, it is only March. Ugh. He is he is so good. I just oh, I want Malcolm Bivens on SmackDown or Raw just to do these types of things. No, like Bivens and the Creeds are like they really do and, uh, again on a show where so many people are green and just do not have star power. You see these three guys and you're like, 
This is like an actual legitimate wrestling act. And right Bivens here. and the Grizzled Young Veterans are just fantastic with each other too. Because yes. they can yes. just they can just go all day in terms of interacting with each other because they have their characters down so well. Unlike Lash Legend. <laughs> or uh the other the other new one who's like uh Nikita Lyons? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh I mean she's got a lot of catchphrases and she could tell you a lot of biography notes, but I don't know that she's got a character person. Exactly. Uh I, I'm looking forward to the Dusty Women's Final. I've already said that. I I, I think that's gonna be sneaky good, even though uh Wendy is gonna be doing the sleepy gimmick uh in there for comedy's sake i but i do like both teams in there uh as we cora jade they just can't seem to find she she is such a geek yeah she's a dork she's starting fights that she's getting her ass beat in yeah and in this case she was basically trying to do like the coyote roadrunner thing rube goldberg devices yes (laughs) like okay so that's real cool like she's not even like ambushing these girls she's like laying mouse trap style traps for them they're uh, short mouse traps I, I want the whole thing with just the whole thing for like three minutes while she just stands there on a red x on the ground like looking up as a bowling ball's rolling down several ramps knocks over microwave yeah Make her the geek. Make her the one who just stood there like an idiot while this whole thing. <laughs> have have no. her play music or something while it's uh, no, to your it. to your point. Um, the 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 part that really made this very dorky for Cora Jade was the final beat where she's looking at the title. She's gonna, I guess, take a joyride or something. It's not even clear what she wants to do, but like the thing that she wants to do with the belt doesn't seem particularly cool. Um, like or fun or like whatever. You're like, yeah, get it, Cora. Um, and then Mandy Rose gets the jump on her. What should have happened there is that Cora Jade should have turned the tables on Mandy. Like yes. Mandy gets the jump and Cora's standing strong over Mandy and going, I don't need a trap for you. You are in a trap. I am the trap. Um, and, and basically making Mandy legitimately scared that her title is in danger here instead of Mandy kicking the crap out of Cora Jade and then standing over and going, nobody can beat me for my title. Um, because like right now, I think that that probably is going to be the case. And I and, and if Cora beat Mandy Rose for the title at WrestleMania, it's not going to be a star-making performance for Cora J. She'd just be the champion then. Yeah, I. <laughs> I just I, I can't believe this is how you're pushing your 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 quote unquote top babyface going into a program is is that she comes she comes up with a plan, and the plan sucks. <laughs> And, and it's wimpy. It's like a it's a sneaky Peterson heel type of plan. I'm gonna ambush these friends one at a time backstage. This is driving me nuts. My keyboard has decided that it's gonna have a continual up button, so I can't scroll down on anything. That's uh, good. I have my NXT no- UK notes in here, but uh, here, here's what I, I'll remember: uh, uh, Roderick Strong versus Wolfgang. Pretty good. <laughs> your boy Oliver Carter beat Tyler Bate we're having a whoop guy versus mustache mountain feud I called it I called it yes <laughs> big win big win for Ollie 
And Isla Dawn's still all over my TV for some reason. I just say, eh, whatever. They love, I would say, pushing, but that's, we're talking about NXT UK here. They like utilizing Isla Dawn on their television. Utilizing. Yeah. yeah that, that Isla Dawn Mako Satamura thing. I, you know, Isla is what she is. Although, apparently, Sasha Banks is going over to the UK for some WWE live events. I'm hoping for a Sasha Mako Satamura match. I that would be awesome. Because she wants it. And it's like, make this happen, please. Please, just make it happen. I, I like seeing Jeff and Matt Hardy back together. I think it works. I mean, it's not like the most exciting match in the world, but people are really excited for, for Jeff Hardy. Uh, They like their Jeff. And therein lies the problem. People are really excited to see Jeff Hardy. Problem is, this is a tag team. They're not excited to see Matt Hardy. <laughs> That's because Matt's gone through so many different bits of characterization, but I think they're using him the right way. He's does, the guy you get the heat on, and then you build the hot tag of Jeff Hardy. Does Matt Hardy need to put paint on to fit in with Darby and Sting and Jeff? Uh, I less wor- <laughs> I'm less worried about the paint and more worried about the hair. Yeah, that's... Uh... They'll get a little Rick Martell action there on the it, it, uh, Look, uh, and, and that would be that would be fine. As a man who's gone bald, I I, re- I respect the move. I, I'm not trying. I'm not trying to hate hard. It's just seeing them in the 1998 Jinko jeans and the goth <laughs> shirts from the turn of the century, prior to the turn of the century, but also with the hair that Matt is rocking now. I. It, it reminds me a little bit of like when the Rock and Roll Express were trying to work like around the age of fifty, and Ricky Morton still looked pretty good. He had the, he had the balding, but it was still the mullet. Yeah, yeah, but but yeah, Gibson Gibson was like just straight up balding. Yeah, yeah. with like the skullet. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, well, I mean, even like even like Morton now has like a skullet going. Yeah, yeah. Well, Morton does now, but like Morton, like oh, you're thinking like midnight, like even yeah, like, like four. He they were in the forties. Yeah, they, they, let's not let's not overage them quite yet but when they were like doing with in that weird time of nitro where like all these classic tag teams were brought back in for like a week or two like you had janetti in there you had the fantastics in there you had the rock and roll express in there and they're all facing like the faces of fear yeah the barbarian and Meng were just killing them every week yeah that time yeah yeah no, yeah, yeah yeah right right yeah robert gibson at that like basically matt hardy's kind of doing a robert gibson tribute haircut and i i think like <laughs> that I mean, like that to me, I think is where he needs to help more than the face paint. That's all I'm saying. I got nothing else for the laser room. What about you? Uh, I'm trying to think. Um, Max Caster continues to be very entertaining. He's uh, so good. I, I, so I, good. Just, I just like, I, I, I love this act back. too. Cause I love, I love when, uh, when, um, um, uh, when Bowen actual, says, actual guy, when Bowen's yells the city and almost gives himself a heart attack every time. Yes. Oh dude. It's so great. Like, like I, 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 I sometimes catch myself saying it uh, by myself. Um, other small things. I really enjoyed Bear Country looking scared uh, <laughs> when when the House of Black came in and like Fuego Del Sol tried to like calm them down. Like that was just like a fun little. Let me let me add on to that because Fuego Del Sol, great geek in that match, just doing the high flies and just getting punched in the throat and stuff. Just I'm gonna try my high flying moves again, and he just would get murder death every time absolutely adored it yeah no i i i fuego's fuego's pretty entertaining uh he's, he's got a thing going on um i'm trying to think is there anything else from dynamite that we we didn't hit uh, i'm just not into this house of black thing 
I'm, I'm not. I'm not either. Uh, I, I'm. All and even the, worse, what it's doing to Penta and Alex. The, yeah, that's what I was about to say. I just think AEW's version of dark and spooky Uki is not very good. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm not saying that there's no place for dark and spooky Uki in wrestling. I'm saying that I don't think AEW's version of it is very good. Um, it seems like they have like the wrong sensibilities and this predilection towards camp. Yeah. Um, oh, oh, and in the case of the House of Black, even when it's not done for camp, it somehow comes off as it comes camp. off as camp. Yeah. Yeah. Like, which is almost the worst. At least Danhausen is played for camp. Like it's over. It's over uh, compensating for like the, the you know, oh look, there's a pentagon here, <laughs> pentagram. I mean, and and you know the candles and the devil worship and oh my, uh, uh, you know the the whole, you know the tarot cards and whatnot. And you're like, okay, whatever, man. <laughs> oh, also, I totally thought that J- Jake Hager said we are the JAS and we are going to beat off pro wrestlers. That's it. Did not be. I had to, I had to rewind because <laughs> I was like, wait a second, what? <laughs> I was waiting. You know what? That reminds me because there was a note. I was waiting for Jake Hager to say, "We're here to do one thing." That's entertain people or put smile on people's faces or something. I was waiting for that line out of Jake, out of super intense Jake Hager. I really was. Yeah. No. Uh. <laughs> oh dear lord. Uh. Let's end it there. Uh. You can follow me at Crap Game Thirteen. You can follow Chris at DWATG. You can just follow the show at Shake Them Ropes. We are part of the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Please. Subscribe and listen to the other shows such as the flagship music on the mat, five star match game, etc. etc. No matter your pro wrestling fandom, we have a show for you. Quick note on me I will be on Fightful after WrestleMania. So that means I actually have to watch one of these nights live. I'll be there with Sean Ross Sapp. Come join me at that time. I'll plug it closer to the show. Chris has a Patreon, he does shows on politics. It's called Don't Worry About the Government, thus the DWATG. Here's his pitch to you to listen to it. DWATG will tape again at some point this week here. We're going to talk about uh, the developments in Ukraine, um, some of which are fairly disheartening as we're taping right now. Uh, It appears that there was an attack on a senior citizen home. So we'll be talking about that, um, among other things, and uh, domestic affairs, uh, whatever's going on here in the United States. Check it out over patreon.com slash DWATG. On iTunes, on Stitcher, on Spotify, homepage is don'tworry.tv. We'll try to do better next week, kids. Eh. (laughs) Or maybe not.